Are your dreams changing your life? Hey, I got a special guest with me today. We're going to talk about how to bring your dreams to life, some realistic practices for eliminating dream bullies and more. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, if you're a regular listener, you know it's rare that I bring on another guest. We have so many questions submitted that it's just a rich resource for unpacking the realistic kind of things that we all are confronted with. Incidentally, keep those questions coming. You can just shoot those in to askdan at 48days.com. But today's going to be a little different. I do have a guest. I have lots and lots and lots of authors who submit books to me who are hoping to get a chance to share their message here, and rightfully so. And most of those I just don't do. Again, because the focus is to answer questions that you all, the listeners, have. This is an exception. Young lady, Tanisha Jackson Warner, has a brand new book called The Big Stretch. Something in her contact information got my attention. Really, it's because it's how to, the subtitle is 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals, and Create Your Own Success. She lays out some definitions of dreamers that I had never seen before. And it really, we, we tend to think that if you're a dreamer, you're going to do something totally non-traditional. You're never going to be satisfied with the job, you know, be the next, you know, Bill Gates or, you know, Elon Musk or Richard Branson or someone like that. She says, no, we're all dreamers, but how you apply your dream can vary pretty dramatically. So that's a setup without any further ado. I, I want to introduce you to Tanisha with her message. Now, we also have in there a dreamer profile assessment. I'll give you the link to that right now. And that is thebigstretchbook.com. If you go to thebigstretchbook.com, but just jot that down. I'll give it to you again at the end of the podcast. I don't want you to go there now because I don't want you to miss this message from Tanisha where she talks about Earning money is never enough. There has to be a sense of purpose. What kind of dreamer are you? What is dream detoxing? And again, who are the dream bullies in your life? They might be closer to you than you think. So here's my conversation with Tanisha. Well, Tanisha, I'm delighted to have you carve out a little time, your busy schedule right now, to spend with us here talking about your book, but more than the book, your ideas, your life, and your energy. Yes, and I am thrilled to be here, Dan. I just want to thank you and thank you uh, to your entire audience for having me tune in today. You know, I get a lot of people who request interviews because I've been podcasting a very long time. And so I get tons of them. I just scan through them. And frankly, I usually just delete them. Somehow, when yours came through, whoever is doing your promotion, I said, oh my gosh, that is right up our alley. We need to connect with this lady. So your book is The Big Stretch, 90 Days to Expand Your Dreams, Crush Your Goals, Create Your Own Success. So I want to tell people about your book and about how they can access your dreamer profile assessment, but I don't want to do that right now because I want them to stay with us while I have this conversation with you. 
Now, one of the things that I really love, and I, as I, you know, when I see you, when I hear you, everything about you just seems to exude energy and excitement and creativity and happiness and fun and all of that. I really commend you on that. Thank you. I, I must say, um, I am excited, joyful. Um, I feel like when you discover your purpose, it really does bring joy to your life. So the excitement is usually with me on a daily basis, Dan. <laughs> well, that's a pretty profound statement. When you discover your purpose, then the joy comes. Boy, that is so important. All right. Now you divide the book up into four areas, dream, design, dare, and do. I love the fact that you don't just say if you're a dreamer, you need to be totally independent, do something totally on your own. You know, a lot of times people see that dichotomy. Well, if I really followed my dreams, then I just negate everything that's st standard in my life. Rather, you identify five different kinds of dreamers. And you say that everyone is a dreamer, but how you apply that is going to vary based on what you know about yourself. I, I took your assessment. We could talk about that. But I want you to share with us the different kind of dreamers that you identify, because I think it'll really be encouraging to people to recognize that, yes, I'm a dreamer, even if I'm not going to be the next, you know, Bill Gates. Absolutely. So, you know, what inspired me to create this dreamers profile assessment around seven years ago, I created a platform called the dream project. And the intention behind that platform was to inspire um, dreamers globally across the world. And I would bring in different dreamers from Magic Johnson to Will Packer, uh, Jennifer Fleiss, you know, really iconic dreamers that had achieved a quite a bit and that we could learn from. And we would kind of all take out our pens and get the blueprint. Well, one of the things that I notice is the audience, some of the participants would come to me and feel like, you know what? well, maybe this dream journey is not for me because I'm just not built to be an entrepreneur or I'm not willing to risk it all or I have a family and, you know, it wouldn't be responsible for me to just 100% abandon my responsibilities and go after a lofty dream. And so that's when I really started to understand that, you know what, your dream journey is as unique as you are. It's not a one size fits all. And I wanted to create this assessment so that people could, number one, understand different dreamer types. And then number two, take the assessment to learn more about themselves to determine which dreamer type did they identify with. And ultimately, I not to feel the pressure to have to fit in a box, right? So I'll go over some of those uh, dreamer types that I've identified. So one is a careerpreneur. And a careerpreneur is someone that they actually thrive working in organizations, working in corporations, working in larger team structures, um, but working on a team towards a collective vision. Careerpreneurs that I've interviewed that you know, are doing amazing things in the world or individuals like Mark Pritchard. He's the chief marketing officer of Procter & Gamble. Well, Mark has actually found a career by aligning his career and calling, by aligning his profession and purpose. And so he thrives inside of organizations as long as he's able to connect the dots 
between his purpose and his profession. So I call them careerpreneurs. So think I, individuals that work inside of an organization. I love that. I love that you make space for that because, again, so many people just assume that being a dreamer means that you don't operate, you don't fit in any kind of structure. Careerpreneur dreamer, love that. All right, next one. And then, and then the second one, and I'm sure all of the listeners that are tuned in, you all know this dreamer type. Um, it's a make it happen dreamer. And this is someone that they were born to be an entrepreneur. Um, they do really well by being able to define their own rules, define things on their own terms. They usually don't do well inside of structured environments where they're being told what to do. Um, but make it happenpreneurs also are making happen dreamers, they also have a great deal of tolerance for taking risks. Um, so a make it happen um, dreamer that I uh, featured in the book, um, one that's sort of iconic, let's just say Sean P. Diddy Combs, you know, he started fashion brands, he started music labels, um, or let's think about all of those amazing characters on Shark Tank, right? Um, which, by the way, Damon John was one of the interviews in the book. Well, in interviewing Damon, Damon has had an entrepreneurial spirit since elementary school. Um, he said he always would think of an idea and he was willing to like do the work to make it happen. But he had a lot of tolerance for risk. And so your make it happenpreneur can be individuals in your local communities, like your local barber, your local um, flower shop person, your local baker, you know, individuals that have worked for themselves for majority of, of their lives. Um, so that is a one dreamer type. And I know All right. um, Love you can it. think of that entrepreneur. Um, the next one is a hobby dreamer. And so a hobby dreamer is someone that has a lot of creative passions, whether it's photography, music, dancing. They would like to figure out a way to nurture some of their passions, but they do not want to put the pressure on these passions to actually take care of them and their families. So a hobbypreneur could be a photographer. It could be, you know, someone maybe who works by day, but they actually play in a music band at night. Um, they are intentional to water um, the seeds of their passions, but they do not want the pressure to have that passion take care of them. Um, the dreamer that I featured in the book, her name was Christina Todd, and she works for an a, a investment firm in Chicago. She has an amazing lifestyle, makes a lot of money. And this young girl told me, by no means necessary, am I changing that lifestyle? However, I would like to find ways to find more fulfillment through the things that I love doing, like my hobbies. So she loved working out. She loved traveling. And she was a foodie. So she created a blog where she just started to blog about her hobbies and before you know it, she became sort of this thriving influencer. She has over 40,000 followers. And now brands are actually paying her to review their food, review their restaurants. And she's able to do this alongside working her normal job. So that's a hobby dreamer. Well, I love that space because we know a lot of people who have killed the joy of their hobby because they tried to force it to be their only source of income. Now, that's a tricky kind of balance because I encourage people to move into what they enjoy most and have that be what they spend their most time doing. 
But this this can be sometimes you know, just a, a real delicate balance and a healthy balance to have a core career and then have your dream job hobby on the side so you continue to enjoy it well. I love the way that you frame that. All right. Yes. And then the other dreamer type that I talked about is an activist dreamer. And so an activist dreamer is someone that um, they will see a problem in the world, but when they see this problem, they feel compelled or called to do something about the problem, whether it's a social issue um, or, or any type of world issue that's impacting um, the, the, the state that we live in. So an activist dreamer usually works at a nonprofit or they're doing um, work in the communities. The one that I'll talk to you about that I featured in the book is Christine Kane. Um, so Christine Kane is a very popular um, speaker. She's a minister. Um, she had a very thriving life, um, even, you know, from being an author. And once she was going through an airport and she saw these signs of young girls that were missing and she later determined that they were being impacted by um, human trafficking. Well, for Christine, it bothered her so much that she went in prayer and she actually started a nonprofit. Um, that's called A21 that later has now grown into the largest um, anti-human trafficking organization fighting human trafficking. So that's an activist dreamer, someone who sees a problem in the world and they do something about it. You know, and that's really important to bring in the idea that sometimes following your dream will lead to extraordinary success, even financially. Sometimes it does not. With what you described there, being an activist, and, and you also address so sensitively in the big stretch, the idea of earning money is not the only goal in following your Absolutely. dream. Following your purpose is. Talk to a, a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I tell you what, before I transition into that, there's just one more dreamer type and I'll do that one quickly. And that's a CEO dreamer. All right. And this is someone who ha potentially has worked in a traditional work environment for years, but they've always known that one day they would like to take all of the skill sets that they've learned in corporate America and give it a shot at working for themselves. So I'm a CEO dreamer. I worked inside of corporate for a number mm -hmm. of years, and then I took that experience and um, used it to build my own company. Okay. Now, leading into that next question of yours about, you know, finding purpose over profit and earning potential, um, I can definitely share with you sort of how I learned the importance of that the hard way. Okay. Um, so after college, I started to work at IBM Global Services. Um, I was really excited to land what my grandmother called a good, good job. Um, I was on the fast track, sort of rising up the, the corporate ladder. And I realized early on, maybe like year two or year three, that I had a major problem. And that problem was I did not have a passion for the work that I was doing. I didn't feel that the work that I was doing was actually anywhere near a part of my purpose of why I was here in the world. I kind of felt like I was off the mark. Um, and I didn't even realize this, but I, I had a habit where I would complain on Sundays to my mother and stepfather every Sunday, like clockwork. Oh, my God, I can't believe I got to go to work again. This was my routine for a number of years. 
And um, about my fourth year at IBM, my mother said to me, listen, I've talked to your stepfather and we've made a decision. You can't complain to us anymore. If this isn't what you're supposed to be doing with your life, then figure out what you are. And it was sort of, you know, such a wake up call. It, it wasn't fun then. It was tough love because I thought to myself, what's your problem? Like, this is what we do. Um, but because she kind of closed her ear to me complaining and challenged me to do something about it, that was the start of me really going in prayer, asking God, well, if this isn't it, what am I supposed to be doing? And I really started to look inward at the gifts that I believe God had placed inside of me. And it was, you know, very simple questions. What am I good at? You know, what are the things that when I do, I feel like I'm in my gifting zone? And I wrote these things down. And um, because you are a believer, I'm really sharing with you the full story. Sure. But I would pray to God and ask him, give me opportunities to do these things that I think I'm gifted and called to do. And it really led me to um, making those things available by way of volunteering. And so as I worked at IBM Global Services, I would try to find volunteer opportunities to volunteer the skill sets that I listed, which one was a love of fashion, project management, creativity. Um, I volunteered on a movie set and I found out that it was you know, an amazing experience. But the lady that I was helping, she told me at the end, I'm happy to see that you're on this self-discovery journey. I want you to stick on this journey, but this isn't it. Oh, and wow. at first I was like, I asked her, I said, well, why not? And she said, I've never seen anybody work on a movie set that's organizing the clothes in a spreadsheet. Wow. <laughs> and so um, even though she told me that wasn't it, I just kept being willing to volunteer. And eventually um, I took a leap of faith. I left my IBM corporate cushy job. I didn't tell many people when I did it. I definitely didn't tell my grandmother because she would not have approved because for her, I had landed this good, good job. It seemed crazy, but I really surrounded myself during the time with um, other believers, a lot of prayer. I ended up moving to New York, not knowing um, anyone. And when I came to New York, I had a Bible two bags and the prayer of Jabez written by Bruce Wilkerson Ooh. and a whole lot of faith. Um, and that actually ended up landing me an opportunity to work for a media company in New York called Rush Communications. And this company was really on the forefront of pop culture, music, fashion. And I went from volunteering at that company to becoming general manager in one year. Goodness. And for me, that was the place that things started to click for me. Creativity, working with communities, um, you know, helping determine what was cool, um, setting trends. It was like all of these pieces started to click and I knew I was in my purpose zone. So and you left your corporate job, but yes. you took another corporate job, just one that you knew fit more your purpose and passion. Yes. Well, well, I wouldn't call it a corporate job. It was really a job within the entertainment space. But when I originally took that job, Dan, I wasn't even getting paid. I left the paid corporate gig at IBM Global Services 
came to New York and started volunteering at an entertainment company. Goodness. Boy, that's a principle right out of Napoleon Hill's old book, Think and Grow Rich. You know, so often today, people show up and they want a guaranteed $100,000 salary before they work the first day. He says, you know, you can't show up to the wood stove of life and say, give me heat, and then I'll put wood in. You put wood in first. And that's exactly what you're, you're describing. You're willing to volunteer so that you allowed people to experience your gifts and talents, your passion, and then that turned into being general manager. How awesome. Yes. And for me, that's when I realized I was committed to a life where I would allow purpose to be in the driver's seat. And I said, no longer will drop, will money be in the driver's seat of my major decisions. All right. I want to back into something that you've alluded to here. We have, we have a, a very robust 40 days Eagles community. So a lot of people in there who want to build their own businesses but here's what we're discovering, Tanisha. We're discovering that about 10% of the challenge is what I call external, meaning how do I create a course? How do I build a website? How do I start a blog? How do I get on a podcast? Those are external pieces. 90% of the challenge is internal. Oh, wow. Low self-confidence, lack of spousal support. Gee, would anybody really listen to me? You know, is this really authentically what I should do? What the, the, what we call those internal challenges. Now, you talk about in your own process, your own journey, kind of walking through that. But shed a little light for our listeners here about how to not get enamored just with the tools, the strategies, but to really be authentically who God created you to be in order to walk through this. You know, there is a section in the book that I think is perfect um, to address this particular question. And the section is called the dream detox. Oh, my. Um, yes. And this is something that I did that I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. And then when I interviewed other dreamers, I realized that they also did it as well. So for me, when I started on this path and I felt like God was kind of wanting me to understand what's your purpose and how do you contribute that in the world? Um, number one, there was a willing yes. I didn't know exactly what I was saying yes to, but I knew I was saying yes to use me. Yes to I'll follow a path that, um, that follows a calling. Um, so that's very important. It's number one, having the mental state, mind, body, heart, and spirit to be willing to say yes to whatever this dream may be that's on your heart, whatever this um, concept or idea or business that you know is a burning part of you to do it. So first and foremost is being a willing yes, because you, you can't get in action if you're even in resistance of being a willing yes. I, I meet people all the time that say, you know what? I know I'm supposed to be doing that, but I don't, I'm not willing to go through the difficult path that I know it's going to take to do that. So the willing yes is important. And then the second thing is once you say yes, a part of the dream detox is really being intentional to allow yourself to know what you're feeding your mind and spirit. Um, so let's start with spirit. So for me, um, I really have to get myself anchored in the word. I have to have spiritual practices that I can pull from that I know I'm not doing the journey completely in my own strength. 
that can look like a daily devotion. It can look like, you know, um, making sure that you are um, mingling with other believers, um, something that's feeding your spirit. Um, I needed that for the bigger picture because then it always allowed me to know this journey is bigger than me. And it also allowed me to know I don't have to have everything figured out that I can actually do all things through Christ. Um, so that's very important. Another thing is from a mental standpoint, making sure you're feeding yourself positive information that supports you to move in the direction of that dream, whether it's informative information, whether it's other stories of, of, of others that can inspire you. You know, I'm always reading books of others or I'm listening to documentaries. It's being intentional to fuel your own motivation. It's being intentional to give yourself examples that this is possible. And then another part of the dream detox is body. Um, I learned the law. I learned, This one, it took me years to learn this. Um, but you also want to make sure that you're taking care of your temple, especially if you're going to run a dream journey for the long term. We can all start out, you know, on all cylinders, but if you're not doing the proper self-care practices, ultimately you will burn out one day. Another part of the dream detox is I have you identify who are your champions. And these are individuals that when you share what God has placed on your heart, when you share your idea, when you share this business concept, they're trusted sources that reflect back to you you can do this. They reflect back to you your, your possibility that, you know, this is possible for you. You know when you've been in the presence of a dream champion because you walk away feeling like, I believe I can do this. So I have you think about who those champions are. You want to bring them close to you during that period. I also have you identify your dream bullies. Oh, that, that was... That was a big concept when I hit that. So you've talked about, you know, how to conceptually what you just described is feeding your spirit, fortifying your mind, building your body. Those are important. And those are what I'm talking about. Those internal challenges. Those are not just, gee, what kind of software are you going to use, you know, to have handle your customer orders? Those are internal kind of things. Now, this is a big one that you've just alluded to here. Eliminate the dream bullies. If there's anything that I hear repeatedly from people who are trying to break out and follow their dream, it's that they do not get encouragement from the people who are closest to them. So talk about this idea of dream bullies. Yes. Well, the first thing is when you hear the word, or bully, sometimes you automatically think this is someone who is intentionally trying to bring harm to you. Well, that's not the case for a dream bully. For a dream bully, this can be someone who's very close to you, but they also are protective of you. So the more you're going into new territory, you're breaking through your comfort zone barriers, you're kind of getting uncomfortable. As you get uncomfortable, sometimes you're also stirring up um, the comfort zone of those around you. And so they're concerned, wait a minute, you're going outside of what I deem is normal for you. And I want to be protective of you. And so they will maybe give you advice and counsel. They say, Hey, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should, you know, let's, let's pull this thing back or let's play it safe. Um, and so realizing that dream bullies 
are sometimes the people that love us the most. Um, It's very important when you're going on the journey. So, you know, is this the place where I trust my vision or not? So for me, my grandmother is my best friend in the whole world. Love her. My grandma is also my biggest dream bully (laughs) that I've ever met in my life. And so she shares with me advice and counsel based on her experiences. And so for her, her dream and vision for me was I worked extremely hard so that you could go further than I did. You got a college education. I didn't do that. So now I want you to land a good, good job. So for her, when I landed the good, good job of IBM, she thought I can exhale. My baby is taken (laughs) care of. When I started talking about this radical, you know, I think I want to leave. I think I want to do something on my own. She didn't have any point of reference to pull from. To her, it all sound way too risky, way too out there. And so her counsel was do not do it. Stay on your good job. And that was our first dance of when I started. And, you know, I was young then, but I I started to realize, oh, she's my best friend, but she's not my safe place to share my dreams with. Mm. And I just started to intentionally develop a relationship with her where I compartmentalize what I can share when I can share. And if it's a new vision that involves quite a bit of risk. 100% of the time, she will know nothing about it (laughs) until it's done or until I'm in a more confident space that I know I can hear her negativity and it won't get into my psyche or or won't cause me fear. Okay. If it's in the, in the infancy stage of a dream, no way will I share it with her. So you've laid out really beautifully that we can love somebody, but still create boundaries for how we share this part of our life. All right, well, I have to ask you this, because we hear the old cliche, you know, success is the sweetest revenge. You left that cushy job quite some time ago. Is your grandma excited about the things you're doing now, or does she still (laughs) hoping you come to your senses and go get a job? Now, if you want to hear pure comedy one day, I have videos that I take of my grandmother. She doesn't know what I'm doing because she doesn't understand smartphones. But if you hear some of the things that comes out of this woman's mouth, it's pure comedy. So, no, although, you know, by by her standards or by, or by standards of others, you would say that I've kind of made it or I've experienced a certain level of success. None of it really matters to my grandmother. Like, she'll say I'm proud, but then she'll always say, um, you know, I was so happy that you were on Steve Harvey. But I do have to ask you something. What if it doesn't work out? Oh, Can my God. Can you go gosh. get that good job again? <laughs> so she's still kind of in this worry state. Like, you know, I'm so happy that it worked out, but I hope you're saving. I hope you can retire. And I hope if the bottom falls out that you can please go get a good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, my dad was a farmer, so he understood you plant corn and you harvest it. You milk cows, you take it to market. He never could get his head around the fact that I think and talk and write and get paid for that. Now, he was proud, even in his later years, being in a nursing home. He'd have my books in there. He'd show them to people, and he'd point me out on TV and all that. So he was proud, but he never really understood it. 
It just didn't make sense in his world, as you're describing with your grandma. In her world, the things you're doing now just don't compartmentalize well at all. Golly. Well, yeah. um, that, that, that's great, though. I love that explanation of dream bullies. Doesn't mean that somebody's being mean or hateful, but they, their limited experience doesn't lend themselves to understanding these new arenas you're going into. That's a great framing that our audience will really resonate with. You talk about a time audit. Now, one of the big concepts in our community is the idea of if you use 15 hours a week strategically in four different areas, you can build a significant side business to create that transition. A lot of people think it's all or nothing. Either I quit my job, risk everything, we teach them you can start small if you want to, where you use just a little bit of time. Talk to us about this idea of we all have 168 hours a week and how we can use that effectively to build toward our dream. Well, I love what you just said about the 15 hours um, towards your dream. And I'm definitely going to um, research more about that and follow up with you because I right. love it. I'm, I'm always learning as well. Um, but for the time audit, the reason why we have the reader conduct a time audit very early on in the book, it's in the dream phase, is number one, I have them observe themselves and how they're currently spending their time for a week period in their natural state. I don't have them try to change anything, but after they can look at their habits, then I challenged a reader to say, now, where can you buy yourself time back? And when I say buy yourself time, where can you buy your dream time back? And oftentimes, just by having them do that time audit, they realize, you know what? I'm spending eight hours a week watching Netflix. Like, rather than binge watch this particular show, I'm going to borrow five hours of those back in this season so that I can become more strict. There you go. I've had a mother do this before where she sort of looked at her habits over um, a week period and she realized, you know what, because of the stage of where I am in life, at this point, my only window of time comes between 10 o'clock at night and midnight. And this was a working mom who she had to coach, she had to take care of her family, she had to do homework. And then she also had to do evening work tied to her job. Well, at the very end of the night, she saw that's my window. And do I want to do this on those cylinders forever? No. But for this particular season, I'm going to grab those two hours and I'm going to write every night towards my book. And then over a period of time, which I think it was like a six month period, she actually wrote her first book. Um, and the name of the book is called Strategic, like strategy um, meets sort of sheep woman. Um, but she wrote that by barring the time back of between 10 o'clock at night and midnight was her only time. And she used those hours to write um, during the week, every, every day that she could, but she didn't even realize what time was available to her until she did the audit. So it's really an awareness exercise for you to understand how are you spending your time and where are you going to have to reallocate this time? If you are really serious for your dream. And in this case, Maybe the time audit could be lapped with what your practice is. Find yourself those 15 hours and then reapply it towards the dream. 
Yeah, we've got some amazing success stories about people who have done just that. And it's usually surprising to people when they start doing a time audit, as you're describing, that they really do have time. I mean, when we have Mm -hmm. 168 hours, if you sleep eight hours a night, that's 56. If you work 40 hours, if you commute 10 hours, you still have significant blocks of time. And people don't realize how much time they're just frittering away with their intentional about wanting to achieve something significant in their lives, the time is usually there. It's just a matter of allocating it properly. Well, I want to I want to ask you a little bit about your own company, about things you're doing now, and then we'll tell people how to get the book, how to access your resources, and we'll wrap it up from there. But tell us a little bit. I haven't really asked you about your own your own life. Obviously, you're living a fun life in New York City. Tell us about the unique name of your company. A couple of things yes. like that. So, um, so wow. So the name of my company is Igami Group. And Igami Group is an integrated communications and marketing firm. Um, we specialize in supporting Fortune 100, Fortune 500 brands, create marketing campaigns designed to speak to multicultural audiences. Um you know, when I told you about coming here in New York and, and volunteering, I actually started volunteering on 38th and 7th Avenue. And today I'm doing an interview um, at my own company just three blocks away from where I started volunteering years ago now, about 16 years ago now, at Igami Group. And so, you know, walking that dream journey, leading with purpose, ultimately, it led me to creating this com- company. Igami is image spelled backwards. That's I what the wanted name you is. to share that. And um, I chose that word Igami because I knew this from my own personal experience. I took a look at my image from the inside out in hopes of activating my purpose. Now, Igami Group, we work with brands on their image. We challenge brands to look at their image from the inside out, and we find ways to activate that brand purpose in the world to improve the lives of consumers, to improve the lives of people that those brands are serving. So it was kind of um, ironic that I did my own internal work looking at my image from the inside out to activate my purpose. And now we're working with major brands like Procter & Gamble, Verizon Wireless, Major League Baseball. And I usually start with those brand managers, myself and the team. And we, we ask them the same type of probing questions. You know, what's your purpose? Why are you here? How is it that your brand is uniquely serving others? What becomes possible in the lives of others because your brand exists? We ask all of those purpose-finding questions. And once we get that brand really clear on their purpose, we then say, now let's go to work and let's activate your brand purpose to make the world a better place. Wow. Well, that's beautiful. I wanted you to share about your company name, Agami, and the origination of that being the reverse spelling of image. But I, I love that. Well, the book is The Big Stretch, And we want people to be able to, and now we're going to give people the way they can go and take your dreamer profile assessment. This is brilliant. So it's the big stretch book.com. You can go there and you'll see a link 
to take the assessment. I have taken the assessment, and all I need to do is tell you about one sentence, and you know exactly where I landed, Tanisha. I have been doing things since I was six years old, looking for ideas, ways to make money, lots of things that I pursued. I've never had a real job at all. <laughs> you are a make it happen dreamer, my friend. <laughs> totally. So I got your report back, the descriptions and next steps and all that. Thank you for that. Love that. I want our readers to do that, to go there, do your dreamer profile assessment. It's a perfect fit for our 48 Days community and what we're all about here. So you are such a delight to talk to. I was intrigued by your message before I had an opportunity to to watch you and then meet you. But thank you for the work that you're doing. Just the encouragement for people to define and follow their dreams. And the multiple applications of that doesn't mean that you negate everything that you've been doing, but that you become, your life becomes richer and fuller as a result of following your dream. So I commend you on the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I, I can't say enough. Every opportunity that I have to share this work, um, it really brings me joy because ultimately the intention behind this book is to support um, individuals to live the life that they dream about. So I encourage your community, grab it, the big stretch, um, 90 days to expand your dreams crush your goals and create your own success. And it's available anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, Um, grab your copies. And I want to hear from you. And so, you know, definitely let me know. I'm more than willing to come back. Maybe we can hear from your audience how things are going in their dream world. That'd be delightful to have some people who took action. Your, Your book is like a workbook. It's full of exercises and fill in the blanks. So it's not just intellectual perusing, it's get engaged and map out what your dream is going to look like. So we'll use it as a resource. And I'd be delighted to come back in a few months and share some success stories from our listeners. Thank you so much, Tanisha. Thank you. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope you are able to identify what kind of a dreamer are you and that it gives you encouragement and inspiration to take action. Golly, you ought to welcome the idea that yes, no matter what your life is like now, you have dreams. And if you validate those, pay attention to them, you can bring them to life, change your life for the better. Again, the resource for the Dreamer Profile Assessment is Dreamer Profile Assessment. Golly, you know, even if you feel like you're stuck in a job, this is the time. This is the time. This is a new year. This is an opportunity to say, wow, I remember a dream that I had when I was young. You know, I go back sometimes to the kind of dreams I had. I've got a little car right here on my desk in front of me that reminds me of when I was about five years old, probably. It's a little rubber car, open roadster, but I took my little knife, my little farmer's knife, and notched the wheels in it. So when you roll it across the table, it, it, it makes a sound that it didn't have as it came from the factory. Well, I just always have seen things that I want to change, things I want to do differently, things I want to make better. Hey, I know you're the same. I want you to see what those dreams can do to change your life and change the life of people around you. Now we ask you, Right at the end of my conversation with Tanisha, 
We'd like to hear some stories. I'd love to hear stories that you, the listeners, took, action that you took to bring your dreams to life. What are you doing? What is this prompting you to do, to move forward on? Or maybe you've been hesitant. Maybe you do want to stay in a job, but you want to move to a job that you really love. That's part of your dream action. Totally legit. We want to encourage you in that. Well, again, hope this has been fun and inspiring. Check out the book, The Big Stretch. And let us know your stories here. If you're in the Eagles community, you can share your stories there about what you're doing to bring your dreams to life. And again, we just thank you for being part of this growing community of people where we know without a shadow of a doubt, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable work that brings our dreams to life. You don't have to settle for less. 